I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And this week, I want to dive back into a subject that I've covered before on this show, but I think deserves revisiting, coaching. Moreover, being coached. So you find yourself needing support and guidance. You go and find an expert who can help. And just like that, magic dust. The results flow. Is it really that simple? No, it isn't. There is an important perspective, mindset, and set of actions that can enable a coaching relationship to flourish. You need to get that right, and then the positive results will flow. And so today, we're going to dig in. And this is a great one, of course, for athletes to hear. But of course, it also extends well beyond sport. How can you optimize your relationship with leaders, mentors, and coaches in any endeavor so that you can develop, grow, and thrive? I think that it's about time we should dig in, don't you? What we're going to do is we're going to go through a story, and we're going to highlight the premise with a little bit of good versus, let's call it, not-so-good case studies, all wrapped up in a bow of action items for you to then go and put into action. It is a busy one today, and I'm very excited, and I hope you are too. But before we dive into the meat and potatoes, it is time to revisit, ooh, the bleeding echo you. Yes, our favorite little piece of the show, ooh, the bleeding echo do you, because it's all about you guys, the listeners, to give you some perspective. And with that, racing is back, and it is back with vengeance. You've heard me spout off on this show about the promised high performance level that we can expect from all athletes at all levels in the most odd of seasons. Let's face facts. It is, isn't it? It is very odd, as my Auntie Anne would say. And so far, my prediction is ringing a little bit true because at the pro level, we've seen some simply exceptional performances and on top of it, a great depth of high performance. And at the amateur level, and I can only talk right now within Purple Patch, but I'm absolutely astounded by some of the results achieved over the first couple of months of real racing. And within these results, it's the personal achievements that have delivered such a wow factor to us as a coaching team. It began with a flurry of qualifiers in the World Championships over the first few races of the year, and it's exploded in the last couple of months. And I want to give you one example of a Purple Patch athlete that I feel embodies the approach and spirit that I've been endorsing for over the last year. As a Purple Patch athlete who's got a frontline job in the real world, Ed Croucher has been, well, patient. He's been desperate to get back to racing. When the pandemic hit, it would have been so, so easy for Ed to just go all random, give up on the stability of training routine. After all, he had a very busy job that was highly demanding. But Ed's dream has always been qualification to the Hawaii Ironman World Championships. And there was going to be no Kona in 2020. 
But instead of just going rogue and random and giving up on his own training, instead he doubled down on the components that we talked about, consistency in development of areas of weaknesses. He embedded in the Purple Patch community, he participated in the Purple Patch challenges, and he put out a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal for 2021. His quest has been to carry the developmental work that he did all through last year into personal race performance in 2021. Off to a good start, he had a very solid initial 70.3, but last weekend, boom, in May, he executed a great race at the very challenging Ironman Tulsa, and he finished with a wonderful personal performance that also delivered him an entry to this year's Hawaii Ironman World Championship, all as a part of the 55 to 59 age group. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the B had complete, and now as I recalled, it's only June. What are you going to do for the rest of the year, Ed? It is a massive reward for commitment, keeping a level head and immersing himself in the coaching process and education. He stepped up and he invested himself in the process. He didn't overcomplicate and instead he just consistently nailed the basics, as we like to say, and even kept it fun. He arrived race ready and he delivered and now he has achieved. And he's not alone because equally excitement for Ed making the Hawaii Ironman World Championships was Liam Bradley as well. Another person I want to call up today because he stepped up and he built himself over the course of, into, of the pandemic into a place that just this last weekend, he crossed the finish line of his very first triathlon. Oh, no. No Kona for Liam yet, but that's not the point. This story is about two men committing to the process, developing their own personal performance to yield a great individual result. Well done, Ed. Well done, Liam. You both caught my eye this week, and we're proud of you. And that's why you're appearing on Who the Bleeding Heck Are You? Now, before we roll into the in-depth education, I want to do a very quick squatty update. I've got a couple of things to talk to you about because, as I mentioned, fall racing is getting very, very busy. There are a ton of races, and it is time. It is the perfect time to hop aboard the Purple Patch Express train to your very best race ever. So far this year, we've had over 25 athletes that have qualified to the World Championships and it shows just that our model works. I hate to tap ourselves on the back, but we tend to do a pretty good job. And you might not be a podium chaser or even thinking about qualifying to the World Championships, but as you learn from Leon, we can help you too. So if you want to have a good time, you want to thrive in life, you want to have good energy, but you also want to achieve results, maybe, just maybe, we can help you. And if Purple Patch isn't right for you, hey, at least don't miss out on a wonderful occasion that we had last week. We had some super attendance at last week's full racing webinar, an educational piece that I did live to a whole host of people all over the world. It was a truly global audience where we roadmapped in depth your chance to set up your best performance for the back end of this year. And we want to share it with you. And so if you missed out, feel free, just shoot us an email, info at purplepatchfitness.com, and we will get you a recording and a full summary. It is a good time to get organized and get your roadmap in order so that you can set up for your best performance in the back half of the year. Okay, that's my squatty update for the week. Now we can move on, and I want to start Bazza 
get off the cameras and get onto the strings because it's a good one this week. We are all eagerly anticipating. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the word of the week. We like the way he thinks. Serious with the wings. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the dictionary word of the week. Yes, the word of the week this week is commitment. It's a good word for this week's show. Commitment. Now, later in the episode, you are going to hear me discuss trust. And trust is important. In fact, perhaps the most important part of any relationship. Because trust is something that is the backbone of a relationship, including a coaching relationship. But with that, trust isn't something that just happens immediately with spontaneity. Instead, it's something that develops over time with investment from all parties engaged in the process. It's not enough for a new coach just to say, trust me, if they've yet to build that trust. And it isn't sensible for an athlete to blindly trust everything without building validation and experiences that naturally foster trust. Leaves you in a bit of a pickle, doesn't it? You begin a mentoring relationship or a coaching relationship. And I tell you, that you're not in a place that you can blindly trust until that relationship develops over time. So where does it leave you? Well, it leaves you with this week's word of the week, commitment. Because what you can be is fully committed. Committed to being open. Committing to trying new things. Committed to the expertise and guidance of the person that you're engaging with and also committed to you doing your own part and investing in the relationship so that it can be successful. And so commit, and that essential trust will be built. Commit and draw from the relationship the optimization that you seek. Commit, and you will yield food for thought for athletes or anyone beginning a relationship with an expert. That is our word of the week, commitment. And with that, fill your boots. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the meat and potatoes. Yes, it's the meat and potatoes. And I want to kick this off with a story. I'm going to tell you this story, and I want you to listen all the way through. A man buys his dream house. Well, technically, it isn't really dream-like yet. He purchases a fixer, as you might call it. It's got wonderful bones. It's in a great neighborhood. But to become his dream, he must complete a, how should we call it? A project. Now it's clear that a major remodel needs to occur. It's going to include knocking out walls, a small extension, blowing out a rather dark and enclosed kitchen into an open, expansive indoor outdoor living space that blends into the wonderful back garden. Now, being no trained professional himself, he goes out 
as you would and employs professional resources. A great local architect, a structural engineer with a super reputation, and of course the obligatory Irish contractor. There's always an Irish contractor in a good story, don't you know? And so he puts his hands and his dreams under the guidance of trained professionals and they get to work. Now, as his friend, you get to follow along the journey with excitement and enthusiasm. It's wonderful to see your friend immersed in the creative process. The architect, well, she nails it. She maps a great design, a wonderful use of space. The engineer designs the structure so that it can be sound and safe. And with design and plans in hand, you would say that the project is ready to go. All your friend has to do is hand it off to the contractor and get him going. But no. Instead, your friend, this man, pulls at the plans. He begins to make adjustments. With his reliable eraser in hand, he starts to shift things around. He adds some windows here. He shifts a few beams. He makes a large opening, slightly larger. Hey, in for a penny, in for a pound. And the extension, well, come on, let's go out. Let's creep a little bit more. You watch him aghast. He retains elements of the expert's plans, but removes some of the other elements. He adds new pieces of the puzzle without consulting the experts for any unintended consequence that might happen. He hears that wider openings are the trend, so extending the width of the kitchen doors, it just makes sense. And removing that beam or two, well, why not? It opens it up. You get the picture. Okay, I'll pause here because you're wondering, why am I telling you this story about your friend? who's built his house that's going to become a dream house. This man is clearly following his passion, but with as much clarity, is acting with great recklessness. It can only surely lead to disaster. He's gone out and he's employed experts in field, but he's only followed parts of their advice. Despite himself having limited experience and no understanding of structural engineering, he added and changed and shifted the plans. And okay, it was well-intentioned, but come on, it was going to lead to a construction disaster, probably the death of a dream. You might think that this story is just implausible, impossible maybe that no right-minded person would take the set of plans from the very experts that they employed and sabotage them, change them, add to them without consultation. If you were employing these experts who carried great credibility, why would your friend not follow them? Sure, have a little input, ask questions, maybe even request for some adjustments, but can you imagine wholly changing everything that they deliver? Well, people do it all the time, but instead of corrupting the plans of an engineer or an architect, they do it as coached athletes. In many ways, I would say this is kind of the norm, and that's the point of the tale. If you make a decision to employ a coach, if you go on a search 
and find the program that fits your ethos, your needs, your mindset. And then you commit and you begin a journey. It's all good so far, but this is where issues can begin because so many folks just don't know how to be coached. And this is in no way a criticism. It's just that it's really, really hard to foster and develop a really productive coaching relationship in which the athlete successfully follows the perspective, wisdom, and expertise of a coach. This thing that we're doing, this hobby, is so important to us. It's a massive focal point of passion and commitment. It's meaningful, and it's a chosen quest to challenge ourselves. And so how to be coached is a really, really understandably challenging thing. And today, what I want to do is just give you a few examples of some case studies of athletes being coached to great effect, but others who have accidentally, with great intention, created stumbles or roadblocks, or at least haven't got the most out of their coaching opportunity. And I do this today with a simple quest, and that's to help you improve is to empower you to develop autonomy, but also to help you foster great relationships with your coaches, your mentors, your leaders. And I think it's going to help. And so this is a coach's perspective on how to be coached. So fasten your seatbelt. And after this, I highly encourage you, reach out to us, info at purplepatchfitness.com. I would love to hear you can also do it through our social channels as well, of course. But I'd love to hear your thoughts, your questions. I promise I will get back to you and give you as much perspective as I possibly can. But here we go. We're going to do this through case studies, guys. So it should be fun. It should be pretty accessible. And hopefully you hear the good components or opportunities for growth in some of these case studies. I want to start with my first case study being Susan. Now, Susan is a mature athlete, and I want to talk about Susan for her, refusal is a strong word, but her inability to adopt strength training or manage to drop the training volume for her own success. Now, I think it's important when we talk about Susan, we should realize that she has been historically an incredibly successful age group triathlete and endurance athlete globally. She's got a rich history a strong pedigree of riding, a really strong running background, and she's developed through the years as a very consistent podium performer across all disciplines, all distances. She's in many ways a phenom, or at least was a phenom. She absolutely loves to train. She loves to go hard. She loves to tear up the local training routes, and she salivates at big distance riding and running. Now, over the course of the years, and quite frankly, she's kind of got away with it, she's seldom paid too much attention to many of the supporting elements of high performance. And over the last few years, coinciding with perimenopause, things haven't gone quite so well. In fact, she is experiencing, officially, I might add, a performance plateau. She's also had to manage through an increasing frequency of various pains and niggles, and her power and speed are dropping. And so Susan decided to do what a many people would do. For the first time, she decided to get a coach. And what she did is she went out and she chose the best local coach that she could. 
she approached the coach and she said, I need a fixer. Now, it doesn't take this coach too long to assess the situation and all of the weaknesses of Susan's approach. And what becomes clear is that what has worked for Susan after, over the last 15 to 20 years was good then. It worked, but it isn't the thing that is going to help her for the coming three, four, five years. And so the coach encourages change, and Susan promises she's open to it. Her coach maps it out. Integration of strength, a lower total volume of weekly training, an increase in low-intensity work, but also an increase of a couple of really, really challenging sessions each week. The coach also wanted shifts in nutrition and some more integrated downtime so that Susan, as she starts to mature, can really, really recover and make sure that she can get a bigger yield. In many ways, the coach was asking her to, quote, live or benefit from the years and years of big, big resilience work that she'd already done. Now, none of the suggestions that the coach outlined were complicated or, in fact, in any ways radical. It was logical, and it even made sense to Susan. But then the proverbial rubber hits the road, and Susan's behavior just didn't match her words. She retained exactly the same eating habits, one of which often included underfueling. She ended up skipping or limiting strength training. She found it boring, as she said, and she continually snucking more load, straying off script, injecting greater intensity, extending the amount of training or the number of training sessions. Now, if we review the plan and the prescriptions, there were elements that were retained. She was, quote, following a plan from her coach but with a, how should we call it, a Susan twist. And that cocktail is not a bestseller, ladies and gentlemen. And right now she remains stagnant. She's still struggling. And after a couple of months, she has a feeling that the program, as good as it might be, just doesn't work for her. This is a common reaction. The athlete doesn't dismiss the program. But Susan dismisses the program for her. She's different. Now, that's a very typical challenge. And it's a case that, in fact, it is Susan as the athlete that is the challenge here. She is filtering the program. She's adhering to portions, but she's unwilling or maybe even unable to do what is needed to allow the program to really take root and promote performance change. And so as wonderful as a person as Susan is, without a commitment and actual follow through to evolve, the only thing that is going to happen is stagnation. And ultimately, that will lead to decline. Now, this is one of the most common challenges that we see with athletes taking on new coaching adventures. And why? It is so important for some brutal honesty and reflection of yourself as an athlete as you commence any coaching change. And with that, I get to go on to the second case study. 
And this second case study is about an athlete called Heather. Now, I'm going to start this second case study with a simple fact. Change is not easy. We just learned that. And evolving the approach of your training is incredibly difficult. You know, Susan's case study just highlighted that. And I have great empathy for Susan's challenge. But I'm going to talk about Heather because it shows you that it can be done. Heather, in many ways, is a similar athlete to Susan. She's accomplished, she's successful, and now actually a little bit older than Susan, but she's maturing into her late 50s. And Heather was faced a couple of years ago with a very similar reality to Susan. She absolutely loved training. She had neglected strength and she was slowing down. Was this a part of just the inevitable decline that people talk about? Well, Heather, she did something. She committed to the process and made what honestly sounds a very logical declaration. She said, if I'm going to get a coach, I'm going to get it so that I can evolve. And that means I'm going to go all in. All I want to do is hold on to my local community, my weekly open water swims with my girlfriends that are soul-filling. But outside of that, I'm going to change. And so the coach's action plan was pretty simple. Integrating twice-weekly strength with five to seven minutes almost daily of prehab work, as you might call it, foam roller, static stretching, dynamic stretching, etc., etc., just like Susan, and a request to have a drop in total training hours, an amplification of the challenge of a couple of sessions each week. Very, very challenging. And then there was also a reduction in the amount and the duration of Heather's longer runs. And instead, there was a replacement of those big, big single standalone run sessions with high frequency short running. Then, of course, we integrated two to three days of real clean-out and rejuvenation pretty frequently, and that was for her mind and body. Now, was it all easy street? No, it was tough, and that's because change is. But Heather persevered. She negotiated. She argued her case for more, sometimes even won, but globally, she adhered. And she treated this change this complete evolution in approach as just a new journey, fresh, different, a complete shift in mindset. And instead of hanging on to the past, she just said, you know what? I'm going to make myself a simple goal. And that is a little experiment. How close can I get to the performance levels of the 50-year-old Heather on a program that is so different and has so many less training hours? Well, you can probably guess the result because while suspending disbelief, she began to build consistency in training. She had what we call performance predictability and on top of it, she had global energy improvements. The fatigue and the drag of the last few years where she felt like she was starting to go down into a ditch of fatigue, it was one that she just kind of accepted as normal. But that feeling has been replaced with energy, enthusiasm. And the experiment of 
how fast can I get? Can I be as fast as the 50-year-old? Was actually replaced by Heather. She said, almost halfway through the process, I've kind of got a different mindset. It doesn't even matter if I go slower now. I feel so much better as a person. I'm just a better version of myself. I've got more energy, more vim than I've had in the last years. That's a athlete satisfied right there. And in truth, that's the really important part. We could just stop the story here and say, great, but that's not where the story ends. And so I'm going to finish because Heather went on to qualify for the 70.3 World Championships for the very first time. And she went faster across the board in every single discipline. She thought she knew everything about riding a bike. After all, that was her strength. But since taking on this new challenge, she's grown as a bike rider, linking the success to the video bike classes and the terrain management lessons that we absolutely obsess on. She's actually learning, growing, improvement. And so she's just better as a human, but oh, by the way, she's also improved as an athlete. So how close to those 50-year-old Heather performances? Faster than, faster than almost 10 years ago. Not because of some magic fairy dust, but because of a commitment to be coached and follow the program through, to provide feedback, to be engaged, to immerse in the lessons, to learn, to build autonomy. And it wasn't easy. But it was the very thing that enabled growth. Okay, so that's a little yin and yang. I want to go through a couple more case studies, one of which at the end is very, very short. But the next one, I want to go to the other end of sport. I want to go to the very elite side of sport and a puppy, a youth. And for this one, we have to actually go back about three or four years. This is an athlete that I coached. I'm going to name him John. And John was an absolute elite age grouper. In fact, John was an aspiring pro. He was a very good athlete. He won multiple local races. He qualified for the world championship. And then he began chasing age group podium finishes at those world championships. And he did all of this off the back of a highly impressive bike and run combination. And those things made up for his much weaker swim. At 22 years of age, his progression was impressive. It absolutely could not be argued that both of his bike and run performances were near to mid-pack or even, we might think, front-pack pro athletes. He was freaking good. It arrived, at least in his mind he had. And I was leading him through his journey. And at the end of his second season, he approached me. He was an age group Ironman champion. He was a podium finisher at the World Championships in 70.3 and was on a great trajectory. I knew what was coming. Matt, I want to go pro. Now, these are serious words. At least they are if you're coached by me or any coach who's developed talent to the world-class level. And so I ask the question I always ask, why? What do you want out of the journey to compete professionally? And his response was swift. I want to compete at the world-class level. I want to race against the best. I want to compete 
with the best. I want to see how good I can be and how far I can go. Now, this good news is great perspective. It's actually one I can really support. But I told John the truth because it's my role. And I told him that he wasn't ready. He asked, why? Why am I not ready? Let's go. Look at all I've done so far. Well, the reason that he wasn't ready is that objectively, his current performance level indicated that he didn't swim fast enough, he didn't bike fast enough, and he didn't run fast enough to have a material imprint on any pro race. Well, I hope his transitions were good. What he argued, which is very common, is that he could, quote, learn on the job. But that argument was countered by a simple fact that he would be so far behind out of the swim that he would never even see the real race. And I predicted that confidence would erode in that situation and it would make his performance climb so much tougher than he had to. And instead, I outlined an honest assessment. And I said to John, you can develop into a world-class athlete. You have the talent physically, you have the spirit, but you have to, quote, go on the journey. And this is what it looks like. A two to three year plan or framework to develop as an amateur athlete. Now, I pointed out I didn't mind if those two to three years were shortened, if performance levels arose quicker than maybe we could even hope. But to start, he needed to first develop as an athlete. And on that journey, there needs to be a massive investment in developing the swim portion so that it could get to the required performance level. I also outlined a large group of amateur sporting goals that would foster the development of him as an athlete. And I wanted him to learn how to win races, how to weave performance consistency over the course of a whole season. And on top of it all, develop racecraft and a deeper resilience. And then when, when he was ready, when he was truly ready to go pro, he could step in and actually compete at the world-class level. And so the whole mission was to take him on a journey, building confidence, resilience, and race craft, so that then he took that still very big leap, but could actually be in the race and not just be another name that fills a start sheet. John wasn't very keen on this journey. What he really wanted was pro designation. And he decided that he really didn't want to commit to a full swim project. He just didn't like swimming generally, and he just couldn't fathom six, seven, eight swims a week in that part of the sport. And there lies a common truth. John liked the sport. He loved the concept of being pro, but he was actually ill-equipped or unable to be coached to actually make that journey successful. He wasn't willing or able one of the two, to commit to what was necessary. And so at that point, there's very little road to go down. I decided to bow out of the role of coaching John. He was happy. He found someone that would support his transition to racing professionally. 
And I think it's important here. When that happened, I really wanted John to prove me wrong because this wasn't my journey. This is his journey. And so I really hoped that he was to excel. I would have been delighted for him to succeed. Unfortunately, after nine months of racing at the pro level, perhaps five or six races, he stopped racing altogether. He tired of this sport. Now, I can only assume that he lost confidence or maybe saw the reality of world-class performance. I don't know. But this is a very common case of an athlete unable to commit to the wisdom and expertise of a coach to develop long-term success. And before you think that this is just some ego-fueled ramp from an old British coach, for the last case study in parentheses, I want to compare this to the stories of some names who did commit, who did go on the journey, who did take the patient approach to truly develop. And so my last case study is about more than one athlete. It is about a list of athletes who in one way or another, at a certain point in their career, were faced with the very similar situations and challenges that John had. Here's some of them. Meredith Kessler, Jesse Thomas, Sarah Piampiano, Sam Appleton, Laura Siddle, James Cotter, Matt Lieto, Emma Kate Libri, Rachel Joyce, Lena Tams, Martine Allure, Sarah Cometto, Kevin Collington, Chris Lieto, Luke Bell, Tim Reed, and many, many more. Athletes who, to step up to performance and pave their way to their own enduring success, had the courage to be patient or to evolve their approach to the sport so that they could find success to lean into coaching and commit to follow through and grow. Now, we could break down every one of these Purple Patch Pros over the last 10 or 15 years and showcase their degree of commitment to coaching, but we would be here all day. The key is that these athletes are examples of high talent, high ambition, but also a willingness to immerse in the process of coaching, not to completely cede control, but being able to enabling the part of the coaching process to happen. Because most of these had, or are in the midst of right now, long-term performance success. And each of these athletes I outlined own their own success, but they came to an expert with wisdom to help them guide the path, to be the beacon, to help with perspective, to deliver my side of the expertise so that they could do the work and excel. And that's what it's about. And if we go outside of Purple Patch and we look at the journey of others, we see exactly the same patterns within triathlon. Jan Frodeno and his coaching journey with Dan Larang. Brent McMahon with coach Lance Watson, Marinda Carfrey with Siri Lindley, and perhaps now we begin to see it even 
with Lionel Sanders under the great stewardship of David Tilbury Davis. And yes, there are many, many more folk. Trust is built through commitment. And all of these athletes follow the expertise and the guidance of the coach. You see, elite performers are typically really, really coachable and they're willing to immerse in the process. And so all of us can learn from these athletes. And so this is actually one of the cases where we can learn from the pros, at least many of the pros. And so to wrap things up today, let me outline a few bullet points or tips for you to be successful at being coached. The common themes are this. Number one, go all in. All in. If you are going to be coached, lean in and go for it. You will not regret it. Because remember, the coach has your best interest at heart and is after the same thing as you. That's why it's a partnership. And so go all in. Number two, take the long lens. You cannot build brilliance in just a few months. You can't build it in six months. Go on the journey. You won't regret it. Number three, take ownership of your journey. Isn't that a paradox? No. With a coach guiding the ship, that doesn't mean that you have to be passive. Being coached isn't being passive or ceding control. It doesn't mean that you're just going to follow blindly. Ultimately, you have ownership, but you must allow the coach to explain, to guide, to filter your focus, to build the program, and then you can ask questions, discuss, provide feedback on it, but you engage and do what they ask you to do because they have your best interest at heart. Two more. The next one, be high on communication, feedback, questions. You don't need a mummy or a daddy, and this isn't therapy, but honest and consistent communication is a big part of the coaching relationship success, and you have to invest in that. And finally, when things go wrong, and they will, you will be met with obstacles, roadblocks, adversity, even failure. That's a part of growth and ultimate success. Don't seek blame. It ain't no one's fault. Instead, seek to partner so that you can navigate, you can fix the fix that things that went wrong. And yes, by the way, for you coaches listening, that goes for you too. It's not the athlete's fault. It's you guys together, coach and athlete. It's a partnership. And so go all in, go on the journey, retain ownership, be high on communication, feedback and questions, and make sure you partner through the fog of adversity. Get these nailed down and you are going to be in a good place. I want one more thing just before I go. Do your homework. If you're going to go all in, if you're going to commit, make sure you do your homework first. Find a fit and a methodology that you can believe in, a mindset, a culture that you can trust. If you're coached by Purple Patch, make sure you can deal with my irreverence and silly humor and side comments and all of the other silliness that we bring to it. 
if you feel the connection, jump in two feet. It is likely your very best and most important investment. Just like a great architect and structural engineer, if you're building a dream home. I hope that helps, folks. I will see you next week for a very special interview again. Goodness me, we're on a good run lately, aren't we? Let's dial it in. Remember, info at purplepatchfitness.com. Give me your questions, number one. Also, if you want to get the webinar that we did around the full racing season, we would be happy to oblige. We'll send it to you. Until next time, take care. Hey guys, this is Matt. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. And if you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if we share with your friends and really go the extra mile. Head over to Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to follow, rate, and review the show. Your support and reviews go a long way to increasing our visibility and, of course, the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive, just like me and you. Don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Links to the episode resources and all of our programs can be found at purplepatchfitness.com. Thanks much for listening. Take care.